I never want to not be honoring to God or what he's done in my life by not being vulnerable, you know, because I think it discounts him. Like, I have a messy story. And to not be vulnerable with that and not tell that is like, doesn't give God the glory for what he's done in my life. And when you look at my life on paper and then you look at my life in reality, it's like, apart from God, that doesn't work. She isn't where she is without God. So I never, ever want to discount him. And so I think you always try to keep that in mind and my vulnerability. Is this honoring God? Is it telling a story that says, hey, this is what God did in my life? Or is this about me and my pain? Or you know what I'm saying? Like, I think there's a stark difference in how you approach vulnerability. Welcome back to Rocky Unscripted, where we talk about faith when Sunday is over. Hey, we're really grateful that you're listening to this episode, and please share it with a friend if it's something that you benefit from today. In this episode, you already heard a little bit of it, I sit down with one of our campus pastors, Amanda Rohrbaugh, and ask her some big questions about life, spiritual growth, parenting, leadership. We're going to talk about it today. Amanda has been in the game for a long time and has developed a wealth of knowledge that we can all learn from. I think you're going to love it. So let's jump into the conversation now. Amanda, I think this is the first time it's just been you and I on the podcast. How are you doing today? I know. I'm great. I'm sitting in Matt's usual chair. Is that where he sits? Yeah. Okay. I think Matt and Sean like the same seat. They do? They yeah, fu- so usually- and last time when they were on the podcast together, they fought about it. Well, here I am. Just me <laughs> in the chair. You can choose whatever chair you want. I can. I love it. Yeah. So you may not love what we're doing today, and that is I'm grilling you with some big questions. Bring it, Nick Carver. Yeah, okay, okay. I'm ready. But before we dive into that, I wanted to talk about something that you shared from stage this past week, and not all of our listeners heard it, because uh, last week we didn't stream that portion of the service, but you were, t- you were setting up communion, and you just got vulnerable with uh, something that that you've seen in your own life throughout the years, and that is, uh, we're talking about identity in this series. Right. And uh, you can relate to, you know, Matt had mentioned the week before, that it's like being on the uh, little league field or you know in gym class captains are choosing teams and you're the last one chosen and how awful that feels and he said when Jesus looks at us he wants us on our team and he chooses us first right you said i can relate to that but to borrow that analogy whatever team i'm on i want to make sure i win yes and win at all costs Yes. And that's been kind of a driving thing in your life. And I'd love to just, there's a lot of people that can relate to that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'd love for you just to share a little bit more. Like, how has that served you well? How has it been? Served me bad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so it's funny if I go back to that story, there's actually another aspect that I didn't share on Sunday. Okay. That if I'm being completely honest, I want to be the one choosing the teams first. <laughs> so, like, can I... Can I flip this analogy? That uh, what I love about that is it's actually putting you as one of the captains with Jesus. <laughs> so Jesus chooses oh, his team boy. and you choose your team. Yes. Yeah, so, All right, sorry. sorry. So Go ahead. so humble. So humble. Yeah, exactly. Um That's is that a control thing? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Because now not only am I controlling who's on my team, I'm controlling if I'm going to win. Mm-hmm. All the things that I can control. Yes. So that's been a theme in my life. Um control first. And then winning. And when you ask, how does that play out? Um, Man, when I was younger, especially, and I hope I've learned some lessons, although you've watched me coach basketball around here. I've seen you coach. I've played sports against you. I've played sports with you. It can be really good when you're on your team. Yeah. (laughs) 
You know what yes, I mean? Yes. Yes. And it can be real bad. So I say <laughs> that I've not. gotten better, uh-huh. but I don't know. Anyway, I think I have gotten better, but I have um, probably not put relationships first. So kind of sacrificed everything mm-hmm. for the sake of winning. And yeah. sometimes you just, you lose your mind in that. And like when I'm coaching right now, I think I am a pastor at a church. Yeah. I am coaching third and fourth grade boys. Uh-huh. There's no significance to this in the grand scheme of life. Yes. And I am acting ridiculous. Because in the moment, it's like this is all or nothing. Oh, all or nothing. Yeah. I mean, Sean Moyers, our lead pastor, Cherokee, my daughter, refing my game two years ago. Yeah. And I'm yelling at them. <laughs> my own daughter is telling me, I'm going to give you a technical foul uh-huh. if you don't sit down. Yeah. And that's when you have that moment of what am I doing? Yeah. 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 So, yes, I think at all costs, mm-hmm. you just lose the ability to think rationally and to put the big picture um, in front of you of what matters? Why mm-hmm. are we doing this? What's the end result? Yeah. So this is a deeper question. Why is that connected with your identity, do you think? Mm. The desire to win. Yeah, I talked about this a little bit on Sunday. I think for me, I grew up, um, my parents got divorced when I was super young. And I think just trying to achieve worth, recognition, Mm -hmm. um, you know, wanting to basically either make someone happy or at least draw attention in a time where, you know, it was chaotic in my Mm -hmm. life. And so how I could do that was being really good at things. And for me, it did become sports. So I was an athlete in high school, played basketball, volleyball, I ran track. Um, and it, it was, and it was achieving thing for yeah. recognition, for acceptance, for worth. And then I just kept developing that in my life, probably. Mm-hmm. If you win, if you're doing really good. My dad, um, super strict. He is, um, requires like high expectations for sure. So probably started out of just pleasing him, wanting to, you want to please your parents. Um, I wanted my dad to see me as good. So I just was always trying to achieve the next thing Mm -hmm. and that meant winning. So I know that's, it's been a long journey to, to find healthier places and, Mm -hmm. and, and, and a healthier way to view yourself. But is there a way that you'd summarize how God has helped you, um, find a, a positive identity that, that goes beyond that achievement or that I'm a winner? Hmm. That's a bit, that's a big question. It's a big one. That's what this <laughs> podcast is all about today. Big questions. That's right. Um, yeah, I would say probably both in the control and in the winning, but I think those go hand in hand, Yeah. obviously. So you want to win because you want to be in, in control and you want to achieve. And so, when I became a Christian, when I was 25 here at this place, I think I was like, yes, I'm all in. I love Jesus, like made, made that choice. But I still had a piece of me that was holding on to control. Like mm-hmm. I'm all in, but I'm all in under these circumstances and I'm still holding on to these pieces and I'm still driving the bus. And for me, when I was 27, um, I got breast cancer mm-hmm. and it was the first time in my life that some really hard things happened that I had to come to the realization that I'm not in control. Yeah, no kidding. And life isn't about winning or achieving or, and you have this thing in your life that, that nothing can get rid of it. Like not money, not achievement, not winning, not 
you truly just have to rely on something that you've never relied on before, mm-hmm. which is in that moment for me was just God, like, that's all I got. Yeah. And so it was a huge, huge life changing thing for me for various reasons, mm-hmm. but that being one of them for sure. Wow. Yeah. And seeing just the grand scheme of life, like what's important, what matters, relationships matter more than winning. Like, what do you get at the end of the day of winning? A little bit of instant gratification. Yeah. Um, but you don't have the relationship. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. It's, it may feel like we've already started, but we haven't started yet. We haven't started. <laughs> that wasn't a big question. <laughs> but those those were just impromptu. Okay? okay. I've got a list here. All right. And uh, so uh, you, you've heard other uh, inter- or podcasts that we've done about this. The idea is that I ask you a list of mostly common questions that people would, would love to hear your perspective on. They don't have to be the perfect answer, right? We're just looking for like, this is my gut response, which is easier for you because you like to operate just like, hey, this is, I'm just going to tell you like it is. Yeah. Um, so don't worry about that too much as we go. Okay. Okay. Number one, what are one or two of the most influential books you've read in the past six months other than the Bible? Because uh, everyone can assume that you read the Bible two hours every day. Just kidding. So this is the funny thing about me. I don't actually love to read. I thought you were going to say, I actually can't read. (laughs) (laughs) You don't love to read? Okay. I don't love to read. Um, I like to listen to podcasts. Mm -hmm. Um, I just, I'm not a big reader, so I kind of have to force myself to read. Um, So I have to think about it, Carver. Sure. I don't know. I don't know what my top books are. Okay. Um, All right, so what are some of the, the podcasts that have helped you? I was going to say in leadership. It could be leadership. It could be spiritual or whatever. It's more, I mean, I think probably more spiritual stuff. Um, I do listen to, I listen to your podcast, Nick Carver. <laughs> Other than Rocky Unscripted, <laughs> what are the podcasts that have me, changed your life? You don't want me to say. Uh, oh, I do want you that, to say it. Yeah. No, I listen to a lot of Andy Stanley's uh-huh. um, stuff. I think we do on church staff, just yeah. a, from leadership podcast. I listen to some um, She Leads Truth podcast. Mm, okay. Um, I've listened to an Enneagram podcast mm-hmm. about being an eight, okay. um, recently, which was being a female eight, which I think is very, Ooh, you'll unique. need to let me know what that, what that one uh, um, is. And I think just really eye opening for me because a lot of times you can live in this world as a female eight that not a lot of people understand. Mm-hmm. And I think there's more male eights than, than female eights. Do, yeah. you, do you know that? Uh, to well, be true? So I'm married, I believe, to a, a female eight. That's why I said I want to listen to that podcast. Yeah, you're it very well maybe the case. I think there's probably a lot of male eights in our world in leadership positions because our society has basically said these these people we we want to be our leaders, and uh, I don't know if it's just because there are happen to be less female leaders in our organizations. Or, or what that is. Or maybe socially it was less acceptable until the most recent, I don't know, how long. So see, I think that's what it is. Uh-huh. Like it's less socially acceptable to be a female. I, yeah. I, I don't know. So yeah. anyway, those are podcasts that are intriguing to me. Uh, just because it's, yeah, it's just, it, it makes you think, hey, I'm not alone in this. There's mm-hmm. other people that can relate to some of the things that um, I deal with. Yep. I started reading Daring Greatly by Brene Brown. Okay. Um, haven't finished that one yet. Um, so do you, do you find that you start more books than you finish? No, I always finish them, but I typically start 
a couple at a time. Yeah. So it takes me a little bit to sure. um, read through them. Yeah. I, I can relate. I was just uh, speaking with someone earlier. And for me, I, I don't love to read leadership books. Mm-hmm. And the reason why, and even some spiritual formation type books, the reason why is because I'll get into it, something will really stand out, and it's hard for me to keep going because it's like I, I want to understand this principle really, really well, and I get stuck. Mm-hmm. What I prefer is to either listen to books because, it, I don't know, it's easier to get through them and you see the, 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 hear the, the full picture of the book. But I like to listen to leadership podcasts, spiritual mm-hmm. formation podcasts, things like that, just like you. When it comes to reading, I'd rather read fiction because I usually read to relax, to disengage. And But I think it actually in some ways can serve you well because the, some of those fiction books, it's, it um, triggers your imagination. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes it helps us be creative with even our problem solving. And I don't know. So we're not just like constantly like, how do I get better? How do I get better? How do I, mm-hmm. you know? I'm about to start reading this book, though. I do want to tell you this. You're going to be like three books that Amanda's starting to read. <laughs> um, it's called The Gospel Comes with a House Key. And, okay. Um, intriguing? It is intriguing, isn't the it? The Gospel Comes with a House Key. I don't know what that means. Yeah. I mean, I think it's this whole concept of just really reaching out and being the whole neighborhood concept. Like, okay. do you know your neighbor? Do you know, like, do you invite people into your life? That's what, that's what like, living out the gospel looks like. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited to read I that. I love it that you're basically like, here's some books that I, I think I read. want to read. War and Peace uh, sounds really good. <laughs> Pride and Prejudice. Um, the Art of War. I don't like any um, of those. <laughs> two of those were about war. Okay, moving on. Say moving we'll on. One more book. Yeah. Um, okay. What do you wish you could tell yourself in your 20s? Oh, yeah. This is a funny one because when I was 20, I was probably in a place that most people are not at, at 20. So I was married at 20 yeah. already. Um, I had three stepkids at 20 and I was about to have a baby. That's a lot. So I think, you know, typical 20 year olds are kind of in a spot in their life where maybe they're, I don't know, still going to college, maybe living a little bit of a crazy life, not a lot of identity in what they're doing and where they're going. And so unique for me to be at the point in my life where I was. So Mm -hmm. what would I tell my 20 year old self though? Um, Wow. I look back and I think, I wish I would have slowed down on some things a little bit. Um, I don't regret getting married at 20 at all. Um, We've been married for 27 years. Congrats. Congrats. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think just slowing down and enjoying life a little bit when you get into a situation where you're married at 20 and have kids. That doesn't sound slow at all. No, <laughs> and I just about that. didn't enjoy things the way that I should have enjoyed things when I was 20. Yeah, Yep. for sure. What life lesson did you have to learn the hard way? <laughs> mm, I've had to learn a lot of, <laughs> of life lessons. The what, hard are, what are one, what, what's one that you had to, to learn the hard way? I think my mouth can get me in trouble. Mm. Just in... Yeah. For the things that I went through in my life kind of developed this thing in me of where I do. I just, I just say it. I just tell the truth sometimes too bluntly. Mm. Um, and I think I went through a time in my life where I felt like being blunt was the way to go and I didn't have any softness to how I delivered words or what I said to people. And so you're being really authentic. Oh yeah. Just maybe in really harsh ways. Oh yeah. Yeah. And not taking into account other people's feelings or even feeling like 
you don't always have to say every single thing to get a point across. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, just didn't know how to soften things. Didn't know how to deliver things. Well, too blunt. Yeah. Not right timing. Yeah. That's probably my, my hardest life lessons is learning how to say the right thing at the right time for the right reason Mm -hmm. with the right heart attached to what I was trying to accomplish through that. Yep. Instead of just cutting people at the knees. Yeah. But you're like, but I'm not wrong. No. (laughs) But but when you say it that way, yeah. yeah. What you're saying may be true, but it doesn't make you right. I had a friend who said, um, and this was, uh, I don't know how long ago now, 15 years ago, there's this huge movement in the in the church that was just authenticity, mm-hmm. authentic, authentic, authentic. You know, every church to find themselves like that, and people were just wanting to be raw and just like candid, and this is the way it is. And he he said how yes, it's important to be authentic, but also to have God's character, mm-hmm. and uh, that will will make us uh, close our mouths sometimes because it's like I'm, this may be true, but if I say that, it won't have God's character behind it, right? Because it really it's just kind of mean or whatever. That's huge. And I, I think you've come a long way. I've only known you, what, eight years now? And uh, I feel like you've been able to balance. You do tell it like it is, but there's this sense of compassion. And I'm saying this because I do care. Hey, you're learning. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Nick. Absolutely. That's what I'm here for. I'm just here to encourage you and uh, yeah. move you along your your way. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, what are one of your hobbies? This one's going to be tough. <laughs> this one's going to be tough. Why do you think that's going to be tough? I just don't, you don't strike me as someone with a lot of hobbies. So this is the thing. I don't have a lot of hobbies. I tell my husband D all the time. He has enough hobbies for both of us. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't need a hobby. Gotcha. But I do love to paddleboard. Okay. That's one of my hobbies. Uh I would say that reading, but you would laugh at me. Okay. It's not a hobby. I'm teasing. Okay. (laughs) Um, No, mainly paddleboarding. I like to run. Um, I like to exercise. Mm-hmm. I don't know if those are really hobbies. Um, I, absolutely. I think they can be, but I love to watch movies. Um, yeah. Paddleboarding is uh, my favorite. And top, is, top hobby. are those things also just kind of how you unwind in general? Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't surprise me that exercise is a hobby because it, it also helps you stay healthy. So I can imagine you being like, how could I achieve more? <laughs> How could I do two things? How could at I win once? at relaxing yeah. and unwinding? Yeah. By not relaxing and running. <laughs> Just kidding. Okay. No, my favorite thing to do is paddle to the middle of the lake uh-huh. and just sit there. Like my cell phone doesn't work. Um, unreachable, untouchable. Yeah. Do you own your own pedal board? I do. Can I borrow it sometime? No. Okay. Moving along. The next question was about how do you stay healthy, but you already answered that. Is there anything else you'd add to that? What's one thing you do to stay healthy? You mentioned running and paddleboarding. Yeah. So, you know, when I was younger, I played sports all the Mm -hmm. time. Then we went into empty nest life. And I feel like I was just like, I don't know. I just let it all go. Mm -hmm. I guess I'm just going to be out of shape Mm -hmm. and chubby and (laughs) I don't know. And so just recently started doing some stuff again, like going to Orange Theory. Okay. Working out. Um, again, um, I like to run, changing some eating habits, just doing better. How do you stay mentally, spiritually healthy? I mean, typical answers, right? Reading, daily devotional stuff. But one of the things that I do, just that I, I think I was sharing you with, with this yeah, we were talking the other about the day, other day for yeah. some reason, but um, 
So when I get up in the morning, I tend to not do the right thing. This is probably not going to be a, a this is not a good podcast. We don't it doesn't have to be right or wrong. Just it's wrong. Because I was asking you, you I was like, how do you in the morning do you read your Bible? Yeah. We were talking about that. Yeah. Yeah. So first thing I do probably get up. I get on my phone. I do the classic thing that you shouldn't do. I get on Instagram. I get on Twitter. I see if I beat you in fantasy football. <laughs> um, check all of those things. Kind of while I'm just still like laying in bed chilling. And then um, get up, take a shower. Really, that begins like a quiet time for me. So no music. Really just very little distraction at that point. So it's when I just pray a lot kind of go through my list of who I'm praying for on a daily basis, mm-hmm. which kind of also is a check mark for me of just really listening to God of who do I need to check in with, who needs my attention today, and just allowing that space for him to speak to me of, yeah, what he wants my day to look like. Usually then just read scripture before I leave. I have a devotion that I'm doing right now, Lisa Harper. Sometimes I do our journal mm-hmm. Um, get in the car and then my drive from my house to work is also, I just, I don't listen to the radio. Yeah. Um, that's not a time I listen to podcasts or really engage with anything either. So probably that hour to hour and a half of my day is just pretty quiet and time with God and chill until I get here to work. So love it. Yeah. All right. So this question is kind of connected to the one earlier, but a little bit different. And that is if you could speak to yourself Right after you were newly married, what advice would you give? Oh, my goodness. (laughs) So, Dee and I came from very... I wish Dee was here right now for this podcast. Yeah, He would have... I would love to hear his commentary. He would have so many many things to say. Yeah. Um, So, we've already established the fact that I'm a very pointed, say-it-like-it-is person. Mm -hmm. Um. I remember being in a staff setting once where they were like, hey, who in here likes conflict? I didn't know it was wrong to not be like me. I like conflict. (laughs) Only one who raised my hand. So I went into our marriage in that, like, I was already that um, at 21. Mm -hmm. Like conflict, we're going to talk about everything. Um, We're going to fight it out until we're good, done. Um, Dee did not grow up that way. Mm. So... You didn't talk about anything, hated conflict. Um, and so what do I wish I would have told myself? Probably give him a little more time to process. Mm. Um, I was like, no, we're going to fight it out yeah. now until we figure it out. Yep. Now, 27 years into our marriage, we he actually loves to talk about all the things, doesn't mind conflict at all. We can yeah. still go to all those places. But it was rough getting yeah. to that spot because when you come from such separate, you know, uh, places, it's not pretty. Yeah. It's funny. Anyone that has just gotten married, we probably think we know our now spouse a whole lot better than we actually do. And there's good in that because it's like, you can be married for 27 years mm-hmm. and there's probably still more that you guys are learning as you go. It's not just like we've got it oh. all figured out. Yes. Yeah. We don't have it all figured out. I think also, gosh, I was married when I was 20. Yeah. So what would I go tell myself after I was newly married? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I'm a totally different person um, at 47 than I was at 20. Okay. What leadership challenge have you faced and worked through recently? Oh, man. I feel like my last two years, two and a half years since I have been in this role of being a campus pastor. 
has just been a lot of leadership learning opportunities mm-hmm. slash challenges. So probably, man, I don't know if I can share these or not. <clears throat> I'm going to share them. You can either say yes or no. After Go I for share. it. Okay. Two things recently. One is just a female leader probably leading um, other females. Probably as I've been in leadership over the last two years, I think I got comfortable in my leadership position. Mm-hmm. So it's it's balancing out being comfortable and being confident with also still being humble and being a good leader in that. And wow, yeah. where do those tensions meet? That's a lot to balance. It is. One of the things that I've probably been... Um, just struggling with is I get this comment a lot of you are intimidating. Mm. And so I think it's a balance of, like I said, it's of being strong, of being confident, but not being in that place of where you are being intimidating. And Mm -hmm. I think it comes from a place that's not my heart to be that. Sure. But I think it comes from a place of sometimes in leadership, we get moving so fast. um, And I constantly am reminding myself right now I'm a very relational person. I love people. I love people's story. That's why I do what I do. And I think that's what got me to where I am in leadership. But I can get to leading so fast and get so focused on all the things I have to do and lead and big picture. that I'm just constantly reminding myself, don't forget the people still Mm -hmm. and to stop and see your people and to lead really well in seeing them. And so it's been a challenge for me to balance the two. Mm-hmm. And not to forget either one of them um, yeah. and to be really strong in both of those places. Absolutely. Yeah. And the, the, the intimidation thing, that's got to be unique for women in leadership because I think in some ways it's probably more acceptable for men as bosses to be intimidating. And it's not necessarily uh, um, they need to do something different. But maybe with women, sometimes it's like, but you're not supposed to be intimidating. I you know, know what I mean? That's got to be difficult. But also, there's things that we do that maybe we can change and be less intimidating for people. And then there's also things where it's like, I don't know, is my confidence intimidating because I'm confident mm-hmm. and we certainly wouldn't want someone to, to lack confidence just so they're more approachable. Right. But I think there's a balance in all of, there's yes. a balance in all of that in yes. leadership. And that's what I've been learning. The tension of that. How are you approachable, but you also lead really well and confidently And where are those spaces? And I think it's also just, it's interesting leading individuals. Yeah. Like you got to pay attention to who you're leading when, who's standing in front of you, Mm. how you lead them, how your approach with leading them is. You can't lead everyone the same, um, which so interestingly, we all know that. Yeah. But I think you can either be a really good leader and tweak that to Mm -hmm. the people that you're leading, or you can just be a leader who leads the same way no matter what. And so I think that's just a something that I'm exercising right now. I what love is that. It, what does it look like to to lead well, but also pe- see people as individuals? Mm-hmm. And that shows humility that you're saying, no, I'm, I'm willing to constantly reevaluate and figure out how I can grow. For me, I think people look at my vocal ability and my musicianship, and they're just intimidated. <laughs> I mean, if you can't sing like I can't, I'm then kidding. I'm like, yeah, Nick. I, I don't am. think I've ever intimidated you. <laughs> I think we're okay. You don't? I don't think I've ever intimidated okay. you. That's have okay. I have I ever intimidated you, Nick? Sure. Okay. Sure. I'm intimidated right now. <laughs> Whatever. Just kidding. Okay. You've raised a lot of kids. 
Mm-hmm. How have you protected your family from the challenging parts in, in your role working at a church? You've been in, in leadership for a long time, only the last couple of years, the role of pastor. Um, mm-hmm. But how did you balance? I've had lots of conversations with you about your, your kids as you've been in ministry, but how have you protected your family? Yeah, that's kind of a funny question. If my kids were sitting here in the room, it would be interesting to have them answer that. Mm-hmm. But I think growing up here, I mean, they went to they went to school here. They grew up at this church. They would tell you that there was a time when they felt like everybody was watching them. Mm. You know, like, how are they behaving? What are they doing? Um, and kind of almost telling on them, you know, when they weren't behaving Other people correctly. would be telling on them? Yeah, because okay. I think there's this expectation sometimes as, I mean, you know this, yeah. but as people who work in the church, whether you're a pastor or you're just on staff at a church, I think there's this expectation that your kids are going to be perfect. And yeah. we put that expectation on ourselves. Number one is people who work at a church, but number two, as just Christians that miraculously are kids who are sinners and in need of a savior, just like everyone else, for some reason, just because we love Jesus are going to act perfect. And so I think for us, I fell into that pretty hard when I very first started working at the church and I was first a Christian. So tons of boundaries on my kids of really just behavior boundaries. Like you can't watch this. You can't do that. You can't, but I wasn't parenting their heart or what I wanted them to become or making choices for the right reasons. It was all behavior based. So I don't think I protected my kids well in the very beginning. Um, Probably a little bit of legalism around that, which we, definitely had to work through later on. And what I learned, I mean, my kids are all grown now, so I can talk from beginning to end. But as you watch them grow and process through, I think the biggest thing, how I protected them was allowing them to have their own journey. Like, what does your journey with Jesus look like? Mm -hmm. And allowing the bumps in the road. And there was some bumps that were hard. And it's hard to speak about those, like I said, in the context of being a Christian and working on a church and being like, yeah, my kids aren't perfect. Um, But loving them well through it and protecting them in that way. But what the result is now, like I look at my kids now and Chloe had such a hard time just with some identity issues. She had some injuries from being a gymnast and just really didn't know who she was. And watching her work through that was painful. But seeing who she is now, it's like, no, it's worth it Mm. to let your kids journey through that. And so how did I protect them? I think just allowing them to journey and to be who they are without it having to be about, I work at the church and this is who you have to be. And there's an expectation of that. But I had to learn that. It was a lesson for sure. That's really good. Because I think if we don't allow them that space, it's probably more of a reflection on me. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because if you behave this way, that just looks better on me or makes yes. me feel more secure and that everything is going to be okay. But you had to kind of balance that tension of, I don't know how this is going to end. Right. And I'm going to give them a long long leash and they may make poor choices and da 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 you're saying it actually paid off to allow them that freedom and they're healthier for it. Yeah. And I think they view the church in a healthier way. Mm, Yeah. Um, I mean, they talk about when they were little, when we probably put those things on them of like, you can't do this, you can't do that. Mm -hmm. Um, And they remember those times, like, remember when mom wouldn't let us watch Harry Potter? Mm -hmm. Um, 
or, you know, we tell the funny story. the wizards. Sto- <laughs> we tell the funny story of um, when my kids, I wouldn't let my kids watch SpongeBob. Yeah. And they're like, why? And I was like, what is SpongeBob worshiping? And they're like, I don't know, Krabby Patties. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, no money. Mm. And it just becomes about, it was about me. It was about how does this look on me if my kids aren't doing all of the right things? Um, and then part B to that is how did I protect my kids? When my kids were little, I definitely didn't work as much. Um, I, I probably could have had different positions at different times, but I felt like my kids came first. So I took my kids to school. I picked my kids up. And it was just what I did. I mean, I I wasn't the one who was going to work 50 hours a week and probably get all the promotions and move up the chain as quick um, as maybe I would have, could have, should have, um, because I just lived in that time where I was like, nope, I'm never getting this time back. So um, just made that commitment. And then when my kids grew up, and I feel like God gave me opportunity to, you know, move in that direction. So mm, That's really good. Okay. In the last few years, what have you learned about the role of vulnerability in leadership? Mm, that's a, that's an interesting. That's a four-letter word. Oh. Huh? Vulnerability. Yeah, it's an interesting topic. Um, there's a balance in it for sure. So I think personality-wise, as an eight, there's a part of me that holds back with vulnerability. Um, I love vulnerability from other people. I love to be vulnerable with you in probably my directness or what I'm going to say. Yeah. But there's probably an arm length for me at like how I connect with people who really, really let people, you know, in. And then I think taking that to the next level, when you are in the next level of leadership, I think it just takes it up a notch. Um, yeah. I think people have an expectation of you. They're kind of hanging on every word that you say it makes you be really select who you're vulnerable with. So I don't know. I I struggle. It's funny. I have these conversations about like how vulnerable are you with your staff? How vulnerable are you with a congregation? And I think there's, there's a little bit of difference in just airing everything out there. I think you can do some damage actually with that. So I think you have to be really careful with vulnerability and let God use it in a way that's actually honoring to him. I never want to not be honoring to God or what he's done in my life by not being vulnerable, you know, cause I think it discounts him. Like I have a messy story mm-hmm. and to not be vulnerable with that and not tell that is like, doesn't give God the glory for what he's done in my life. And when you look at my life on paper and then you look at my life in reality, it's like, apart from God, that doesn't work. She isn't where she is without God. So I never, ever want to discount him. And so I think I always try to keep that in mind and my vulnerability is this honoring God is it telling a story that says, hey, this is what God did in my life? Or is this about me and my pain? Or, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. I think there's a stark difference in how you approach vulnerability. One way that, that I saw you do this is a few weeks back, Sunday morning. Sunday mornings, they're not crazy, but they're intense. And we mm-hmm. everyone needs to, to, to do the things they need to do in order for Sunday to, to, to happen. And uh, we were about to start a meeting. You're running late. And, and you were vulnerable. And you said, hey... I just got some bad news in a text yep. and I need a moment and I could tell you were emotional, but you're like, but I'm going to be okay. And essentially the leadership professional side of you is saying, I, I can do this. Mm-hmm. Just give me a, you know, give me a minute. But also you didn't just completely stuff it down and like, nothing's wrong. And, you know, just 
barrel your way through it. It was like, got some bad news. And uh, so I'm vulnerable, but it was balanced with, but I'm not just going to dump all this on you right now. And you've got to pick up all the pieces. Yep. Yeah. And it's a hard balance for me. I mean, I grew up in a household with a craziness growing up and I was taught to be tough. Yeah. Like that was the mentality I grew up with. Mm Mm-hmm. And so I carry that into my adulthood, even my relationship with Jesus. Like it was like, yes, I, I need you, but I need to be tough. And so there wasn't a lot of, um, you know, time for weakness. And I still struggle with that. I mean, a lot of people would joke around here. Does Amanda ever cry? Um, do you ever have emotion? And I do. Mm-hmm. I'm human. I cry. I have all of those things. Um, but for me, it's been just a balance of when is it okay? When is it not okay? And yeah, it's okay. It's okay to be vulnerable, but I never want to be a distraction in my vulnerability. And you I don't think, want it to all of a sudden, the, with the people I'm leading now, this is about me, right? And you are serving me right now in this moment, right? But yeah. you want to be vulnerable enough that you're approachable, that people feel like, oh, you're real, and uh, you feel things. Absolutely. Um, you you hinted at this earlier, but I'd, I'd love for you to elaborate. So you are a female in leadership, which is becoming more and more common, mm-hmm. but even more uniquely, you are a female pastor. And uh, there are a lot of churches out there that don't approve of that. And then they have convictions uh, based on biblical arguments and, and people just view those arguments in different ways. But I'd love for you to speak into what challenges do you face as a female in leadership? And if you want to elaborate even more, uh, a female pastor. What challenges do I face? Goodness. I think first of all, I would say, and I think I've said it on this podcast before, but um, I feel like I'm in a very unique slash just, I don't know, a very um, good situation compared to a lot of people. Okay. Because a lot of people aren't at a church that are affirming um, female pastors Mm -hmm. or female leadership. And so I feel very fortunate to be on a lead team with you guys who accept me, who um, I think really value my opinion, value my leadership. I don't ever feel like I'm in a situation sitting in a lead team meeting with the five of you where it's like, hey, we don't value what Amanda has to say. Mm-hmm. And a lot of women who are in some leadership position, they're fighting that. You know what I mean? They don't have somebody who's affirming that um, and pouring into them. And so I felt very fortunate to be in a place mm-hmm. um, that is. And Sean, who, you know, who has never, like, he's just constantly affirming that and, you know, very gracious in, in who I am as a female leader. So, and confident. Like, I feel like sometimes I'm not confident in myself in that. And he's like, no, you got this. Yeah. So, but challenges you face is that I think there's people out there who are judging it and judging. I mean, there's people who sit in our congregation on mm-hmm. a Sunday morning who aren't necessarily happy that I'm in the position that I'm in. And maybe that's not totally fair that they're not happy. I think they're like, we like Amanda. Yeah. We just don't know how we feel about a female being in these certain positions, doing these certain things. And so before, for me, definitely challenging to be speaking on stage or to um, be presenting something and be thinking, there's people who are judging me right now. I think I've worked past that where I'm like, God, God's just got to use me the way that he wants to use me. And I trust him in that um, to put me in the places that he wants me to be. But it definitely is a challenge. 
And then it's a conversation. I think until I got in this role, I didn't know how big of a conversation this was. Um, because I've been at Rocky Mm -hmm. for 22 years. This is the only place I've led at a church. And so when you don't really get outside of that, you don't know how big of a deal it is. Um, And then when I got this role, it's like, no, this is a big deal. It's a big conversation. People have a lot of questions around it. And there's an expectation. Um, And I think for me, some of it is just um, being a good example for younger leaders, female leaders in our church, um, being able to mentor them, um, learning to be a champion for them, and realizing that it matters. You know, sometimes I can forget that the female piece of it, that it matters, um, female leadership in the church. And I, I think one thing I'm I'm seeing uh, in your leadership is the people you're influencing are not only females. And I do think whether it's staff or people that are attending our church, they will come to you for advice based on your leadership, mm-hmm. not based on, well, let's get a female perspective or maybe only, you know, let's let Amanda lead our women. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you are definitely holding yourself and leading in such a way where I think people are coming to you for pastoral care or guidance or advice or whatever it is because you are a campus pastor. Yeah. So that's, that's a, a huge benefit to our church. Thanks, Nick. Yeah. Told you this is all about encouragement today. <laughs> Alrighty. Oh boy. What is something that you or your organization, let's just say you, okay? What is something you have done in the past that has set you up for success today? I, or you can <laughs> or we can say your organization. Well, when I did kids ministry for 18 years, I think that um, just pouring into us as far as sending us to conferences and being able to network in other places, giving us opportunity to just learn and grow. And, you know, we'd fly a team of five, six people to Atlanta, to North Point and um, go to a conference and just go to different mini sessions. And I think it teaches you things. For me, I didn't go to Bible college. I didn't have knowledge that some other people had. So that's how it set me up to learn about leadership, just learn how to how to work in the church, basically, how to pastor people. So, yeah. And you're continuing to do that today. You just said today you met with a, a group of other leaders in our community. Mm-hmm. And what are, the, what are some of the things you guys are talking about? You don't have to give me details, but it's like, <laughs> how, how is that group continuing to support you and, and educate you? And yeah. Yeah. I mean, so I meet with a group of um, other female leaders. One of the things that probably happened pre-COVID, I had got invited to be part of a a leadership group kind of um, just across the country with about 10 different women. And then COVID happened. We didn't end up doing that. Because let me back up for a minute. One of the things in my role when I became a campus pastor and a female campus pastor is that a lot of you my male peers are in covenant groups or kind of different kinds of groups that people are pouring into you, you're pouring into them, maybe just a place where you can kind of chat about things regarding church work that you can't chat about with a normal person Mm -hmm. um, and network with people. But there wasn't this network of female leaders in the church. You can find a lot of that in business leader stuff, but not a lot of female leaders. So got invited to be part of this group, didn't end up happening because of COVID. And then here we are 18 months later, and it still wasn't happening because of COVID. 
So for me, I was like, this is still a need for me and it has to be a need for other people. So I decided to start a local leadership group. So I randomly <laughs> went on all of So these. you started it. I did start it. Okay. I went on. You were the captain of your team. <laughs> <laughs> you have to bring that up, don't Full you? Full circle. Yeah. Okay. Um, basically, I found like 10 churches um, from Fort Collins to Aurora and just said, hey, searching female executive pastors, worship pastors, campus pastors, um, basically just female leaders in the church. And I just randomly started messaging them, um, either email or on Facebook Messenger and saying, hey, I think there's a need um, for us to connect and get together and just to support one another. So you want to come to this local leadership group? And six people showed up. We meet monthly and just really a time for us to have conversations that you can't have with just everybody. Some female leadership stuff, some just, what are you doing in your church? How are you reaching people? How is your staff? Um, what kinds of things are you guys dealing with? All of those things mm-hmm. in between. So, yeah, and it's a, it is a great opportunity. I think our church allows us to do those things. I mean, both financially supports that, um, spiritual growth, leadership growth, definitely wanting us to seek that out and allow us the time and energy to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Well, I appreciate you answering the questions, taking time to, to think through them. And uh, I, I mean, I felt like we we got some leadership principles, obviously some spiritual thing, but then parenting. We've been talking about a series that we're going to be doing in January. Mm-hmm. So it's still quite a ways a, a ahead of us as far as when we're recording this. But we're looking forward to taking a week because uh, we're studying Proverbs and say, all right, what does the Bible say about parenting? What does Amanda say about parenting? I'm looking forward to having that conversation but this weekend, we have someone, uh, a female leader in our church, um, in the business world, named Carla Nugent, who's going to be mm-hmm. speaking to a big group of, of leaders within our church. And then we're going to be interviewing her in the next couple of weeks. So, so excited yeah. about that. So yeah. looking forward to that conversation. But uh, I really appreciate your time, Amanda. Thanks, Nick. Have a great day. You too. <laughs> well, thanks again for joining us on Rocky Unscripted. If you'd like to find out more about our church, you can go to rocky.church slash this week. And no matter when you're listening, it'll always be up to date. We love to connect with you and love to serve you as much as we can. Please share the podcast, rate us, review us. That helps us be seen by more and more people. Love you guys. and We'll catch you next time.